0: Welcome to episode 128 of The Lab. I'm your host, Brad Barton. This episode is one in a continuing series on lucid dreams and out-of-body experiences. To catch the other episodes, you can visit thelabwithbrad.com. At the beginning of this series, in A Tale of Two Books, Part 2, I mentioned that I had become disenchanted with the common ways of viewing an out-of-body experience. It seemed to me that people were bending over backwards to try and hold on to certain ideas and avoid certain others. The scientific community is not immune from that. They have their own biases and preconceptions, and it's nowhere more evident than in research into sleep and dreams. It took a long time for the mainstream scientific community to take lucid dreaming seriously. There was a great deal of skepticism. Some researchers claimed that people never had any control of their dreams. They simply dreamt that they had control. This argument is difficult to counter. How can you tell the difference between actually having volition Making decisions and exerting control and just dreaming that you had. For that matter, how do you know for certain that you make any decisions in real life? In the 1950s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, there was an idea floating around that people do not dream in color, that dreams occurred in black and white. Reading articles, And papers from this time, you occasionally find researchers who had subjects who reported color in their dreams. This was countered with the idea that they weren't really seeing colors, they just remembered wrong. Again, how do you counter that? How do you tell the difference between really seeing color in your dreams and simply thinking that you did? Until recently, it was believed that dreams happened during REM sleep, REM, R-E-M, rapid eye movement, and outside of that particular mental state, there were no dreams. When people began to report that they were having dreams outside of that particular state, one of the things that was thought was that perhaps they were merely remembering dreams that had taken place in an earlier REM state. Some researchers tested this by having volunteers take short naps, 20 to 30 minutes. The subjects, when woken out of a non-REM state, sometimes reported having dreams, even if they'd never reached a REM state. Dreams that occur outside of REM sleep seem to be a little bit different than those that occur during REM sleep. They're a little bit more fragmentary, not as vivid and subjects don't seem to be as emotionally involved in the dreams as they are when they are in REM sleep. It's described as watching something rather than participating in it. The reason I point all this out is because the mainstream scientific community denies certain experiences without overwhelming evidence. It took a long time For lucid dreams to be taken seriously, and one of the things that first had to occur was for there to be reliable methods of inducing them. The wall of forgetfulness between your dreaming self and your waking self seems to be even thicker for non REM state dreams than it is for REM dreams. People who were woken from non REM states often had more difficulty recalling the dream they had just had, as compared to people who were woken during REM states. But despite the skepticism and doubt from the scientific community, those dreams did and do occur. There really is color in dreams. And you really can become aware you are dreaming and exert some control over the dream. We are about to enter into a maze of mirrors. Your mind. Will quite happily throw up just about anything you expect in your dream state. If you expect that there will never be any color in your dreams, there probably won't be. If you expect that dreams are full of nonsense, your dreams are likely to be more fragmented. People undergoing Freudian psychoanalysis tend to have dreams filled with Freudian symbolism. What you expect will greatly affect what occurs. Because of this, I'm going to explain a model or theory of automatic experiences that I don't subscribe to. It's based on the idea that you have a spirit which leaves your body and wanders around the world before returning. The reason I'm going to explain it, despite not believing in it, is because the first few times I had an out-of-body experience deliberately, I was using that model. Since it might help, I'll explain it. It is possible to remember your non-REM dreams. The methods are the same that you might use to remember your REM dreams. However, they're not especially interesting. The exception being a particular state that you go through every time you fall asleep, and most of the time when you're waking up. It's called hypnagogic imagery. A lucid dream requires a certain mental balancing act. If you hold on too tightly, try to control too much, the dream can fall apart and you wake up. If you let go too much, you can forget that you are dreaming, and the dream will simply play out like any other dream. You may not even be able to remember that you had a dream, even if you had become lucid briefly. The hypnagogic state is an even more careful balancing act, at least if you want to stay there and examine it somewhat. And if you want an out-of-body experience, the hypnagogic state is the best place to start from. Next time, we'll talk about how to extend, examine, and experience the hypnagogic state. It's actually fairly simple, although things can get very strange very quickly. See you next time.